0: This is Living While Dying, an ALS story from Minnesota Public Radio News. I'm Kathy Warzer. Before his diagnosis, Bruce Kramer was an athlete, eating healthy foods and paying careful attention to his body, which ran like a well-tuned car. Until it didn't. Until he started noticing how his left foot would flop when he walked. And his legs started feeling weak. And he fell. Several times. He was diagnosed with ALS in December of 2010. In the fall of 2013, Bruce, a resident of the Minneapolis, Minnesota suburb of Hopkins, was in a motorized wheelchair. And while his body continued to break down, he still paid careful attention to it and how he felt in that deteriorating body. He kept up his adaptive yoga practice, guided by his teacher and friend Matthew Sanford of Mind Body Solutions in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Sanford understood what it was like to live life with a disability. A car crash at a young age left Sanford paralyzed from the chest down. Kramer, a college dean and professor, became a student of the phenomenon known as the mind-body connection, with Matthew Sanford as his mentor. Living well in bodies that are breaking down, and let's face it, we are all breaking down, became the focus of a public event that drew more than 1,000 people at Kramer's former place of work, the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Kramer was joined on stage by Matthew Sanford, and I was the moderator. This was heard on Minnesota Public Radio on December 9th, 2013. Okay, let's face it. Um, some people, once they hear your stories, are going to say, wow poor guys, they've had a tough, tough break. Whew, glad it's not me. Um, Bruce, it was you who told me, one of our very first radio conversations, that all of us are temporarily able-bodied. We just don't know it yet. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, I think um, you find in your life that uh, as you move through it, that there will come points where your ability to do things is going to be compromised, that's, that's a given, and, and everybody gets that. But what happens in our culture is that with people with disabilities, we look through them. We don't see them. We think of them as that poor person, there but for the grace of God go I. And the disability community has, has a word for that culture, and that's TAB, the Temporarily Able-Bodied Community. Because you are all temporarily able-bodied, and we are reaching our, our points a little faster than you are. So um, I, I coined that very quickly because I realized that I had been that way and that the, that the arrogance of that, I had to deconstruct it in my own mind very quickly in order to get used to doing what I'm doing now.
0: Was it difficult?
1: Um, well, it's difficult every day. Yeah, That's awesome. Was it difficult? Was it difficult? It's difficult every day. There's the old me and the new me, and the old me still circles back and says, you know, really, you don't have to pay attention to this. Um, you can get through that. You don't have to really worry about what's happening in your body. But um, I, I have learned, and probably learned more in the last year, Um, than I ever learned in my life, uh, that this connection between the way we think and the energy that comes from that and the bodies that we have um, is vastly important to how we live our lives.
0: Matthew, what do you want to say about this?
2: It's so interesting. One of the things that I think that I'm here in a lot of ways to help understand and appreciate a lot of what Bruce is saying is, is that the paradox that, that Bruce presents and that adaptive yoga presents, it presents a paradox for you. You think about um, living in your body, and you think about your body and things of the things that you can do, what it can do. When, in fact, I think what's critical to living well while living and dying is paying more attention to how you live within your body the quality of the living you do in your body, not just what you can do with your body, not whether it can run 10 miles or take your leg behind your head, right? But literally the experience of living in your body, whether you can stay open to your surroundings, the subtle importance of whether you keep your chest lifted or not, whether you feel and keep your feet grounded in stressful situations. This is at the essence of living well. And this is what, what the paradox that Bruce presents is that in some ways, I think that, that he would say, it, but he's here to tell you if he wouldn't say this, that, it, that, that he feels more connected to his body more now in some ways than he ever has in his life, even though he's living in a situation where his sense of himself has radically changed. What he can do. One of the times I remember him saying to me, I'm no longer being able to capture space. And I went, what? And I'm sitting there and I'm here sitting there trying to think about it. But then I started to realize, like picking up a glass, interacting with your world, being able to change and be a causal influence on your surroundings is so much of what we unconsciously and consciously identify with our identity. And it turns out that that is not the only way to live in your body. And that's what we're going to try to get at th- this evening. A lot of people tend to live in their head.
0: I, I'm guilty of that, obviously. No. I, I, shocking, I know, I know.
1: Yeah.
0: Bruce, when we were first talking, I remember you said, um, you know, as my body deteriorates, I can live in my head. And Matthew, in your book, I believe the quote was, you were told to move into your head as a kid after the accident because your body was no longer useful. I would think that that would lead to some kind of a pretty big disconnect as you're trying to learn, you know, to live in this body.
1: Mm -hmm. Me or you? You go ahead, man. (laughs) Right after I was diagnosed with ALS, um, I was meeting with doctors and doctors and doctors. And... Um, we're not going to be here tonight to beat up on the medical establishment, but there is... A, well, unless you want us to. But there is, there is a certain way of looking at the body medically. And, and so I had a doctor say to me, you are a very lucky man. You're an intellectual. You can live in your head. And for a few months, I found some real comfort in that because I, I was, as I was thinking about how horrifying this is going to be, to lose my legs, to lose my arms, to lose my ability to breathe on my own, I, the more I thought about that, the more I thought, well, yeah, I can live in my head, and that would be okay. And then, you know, one day it just dawned on me, you've got this body that's kind of hanging around with you. And, and <laughs> even though the legs don't move, they're still there, and they still need to be taken care of. And you still need to be mindful of, of your breath. And you still need to be mindful of the space that you occupy. And so um, I, I had to get over that. And it was a hard thing to do. And you only get one body, right? You only get one.
2: And it's one of those things that it's not so much like intellectually you can understand that truth, but can you open to it? instead of it being a moral consideration that you're supposed to exercise more and eat more broccoli, right? Because we all know that. Can you open to the fact that this is the one? What happened to us was something, uh, and what happened to me was unthinkable. I went to sleep in a family car leaning up against my sister, and I woke up to a radically changed world. And and, and it's not the bio. I was a very athletic little boy. I mean, I was like, I was the kind of guy that hung upside down from trees and shot baskets until it was dark, all those things. And, but, and then I got this body that isn't doing what I want, and I'm being told by the medical model that I really need to make my upper body really strong and learn to drag my paralyzed body through life. That sensation below my severed spinal cord was over. And I'm thinking, but what about my whole body? And, and it's like when I finally, and it took me years to realize that my body didn't ask for what happened. My body stays faithful to living. With every ounce of energy that his body has and my body has and your body has, it will move towards living. It may not be growing the right cells. It might not be doing the things you wish it were doing, right? Right? But it will, with every ounce of its energy, it stays faithful to living. It's your mind that wavers. That's the one that goes in and out of phase, not your body. And there's something really to take in, that it truly is the best home your mind's ever going to have. Your mind needs your body.
0: But your mind is thinking loss, 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 right? I mean, there are people that are seeing you, and you're both in wheelchairs, and they're thinking, I dare say, they're thinking loss. Look what these two have lost. Uh, Aging. Look Look what I've lost. I can't walk as well anymore. I mean, you can go down the list. How then do you jump over that hurdle that your mind is saying,
1: yeah, I'm in a dark place here? No, it's not a hurdle you're not going to jump over anything. You embrace it.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Even in the language it comes
1: out. She's tr- I mean awesome. well, and it, and it does. It's right. I mean yeah. you, our our language is, is um, it, it's it's against us. It's against this understanding. I, and uh, the fact that the fact is is that as I began to um for me as I began to explore what it means to have ALS I realized that ALS for me was going to be a constant companion. It's a presence in this room. You don't think you can't see it. You see it right here. It's right here, and it's manifest in my body. And my body is still working. My body is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. And, and in that, you can have faith. There's great faith that you can have in this body that you're given. If you'll just let your mind get around it, so it's not you're not going to jump over it, you're going to work with it, and move through
2: it. This is the difference between Bruce and me. He's he's nice and calls it a constant presence. I call it an unrelenting mistress. Okay, and
1: but I'm married. Yeah,
2: you're right. And and um, it literally the thing you don't and and this isn't for sympathy. It's to you to understand someone that's living with a disability overt and even invisible, and those are in some ways even harder, um, that, that the endurance that they have, it never stops, it never undoes. There is no vacation, there is no escaping. It's an unrelenting experience. And what ends up happening, you don't overcome what's unrelenting. You can't. You learn to have it be part of the whole
1: fabric of your life. And, and if I can just, you, you, you just used the word overcome. What is the, what, what is the primary narrative about disability? You are to overcome it. Watch movies where there's disability, And it's about overcoming the disability. If you don't overcome it, you must be some kind of evil cripple. And you watch the movies and you'll see what I'm saying. But overcoming is not really what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to wind down. And at some point, these bodies stop. They're doing exactly what they're designed to do. And this isn't
2: just our story. Again, it's your story too. And, uh, you know, in other, cu- in other cultures, aging is a disability. They're not afraid to say that. In this culture, the undaunted American spirit, which is beautiful, is afraid to acknowledge the truth of this. Because we don't know how to have it without it being depressing. We don't see how a change in physical ability isn't just a loss. I mean, they say in India, true spiritual life can't begin until you're 60. That's good news for me, man. <laughs> I got some stuff, and I got to figure out what is it that this changing in the mind-body relationship, as you age, that creates a different landscape. Have you ever noticed? I'm 47 now. I'm so I care so much less about what you think of me, as I did when I was like 22. <laughs> Thank goodness, right? That's part of the wisdom. Experience comes with age. My son at, doesn't, can't see beauty the same way I can, as, an, as someone that's like, he's, especially when he's like eight, he's running around, jumping around, and he can't see the sunlight coming through the October leaves, right? And it's so beautiful, and he can't see it, but I can, because I've changed.
0: And Bruce... As you and I've been talking, you've changed dramatically since 2010 in terms of your how you look at life. What are some of the gains that you have seen through the loss?
1: The um, I think the first of all, it woke me up. It woke me up to what was going on around me, um, and I thought I was awake. I thought I was very much aware I, I actually structured my life to be aware, but um, there's a difference to being awake to to what this shows you than what i knew and and i don't and, and difference is okay. so probably the the single most important thing is i 've learned how collective it is. To be human, how that that the human experience is not as individual as we get told in in our culture that we are really connected, connected in ways we, we don't we, we, we don't understand, and the the fact that um, this this uh, bodily debilitation came on for some reason all of a sudden. I was hearing stories that I'd never heard before. People would tell me things that I, I, I had no idea that they carried this. And, and it's where the idea that I, I, when I started writing my blog, it's where the idea of dis-ease came from. That we all carry dis-ease. We all deal with disease, but we all carry this, this place where the ease curtain, which tells us that life's supposed to be easy and life's supposed to be fair, and life is supposed to be whatever it's supposed to be, that ease curtain gets pulled away. And that is a gift. It is a gift because humanity is so beautiful. So I wouldn't give that away. And fills in
2: the space of what you say, like, loss. How do you deal with loss and it's a dark place? Well... Paradoxically, the most important thing you can do, I think, with loss is lift your chest,
1: is be and reach out to be with people. What you, um, for those of you who don't practice yoga, so what do you call it when you lift your chest? Yes. You call it opening your heart. Yep. And, and, there, and so there you are in a room with people and you're opening your hearts together.
2: And, you know, you don't see a lot of really happy people going around like this, right? This is not the person that's happy to be in space, (laughs) right? Like, it gets that simple. How you live in your body, how you carry it, how you move. Good posture is not a moral issue, right? (laughs) Good posture, keeping your chest lifted, connects you to other people. Why do you think a smile is in every language, It's because when you smile and keep your lips soft, the top of your spine, which is right here, opens to the world. Clench your jaw. Try it right now. Clench your jaw. Notice how you close down to the space around you. Can you feel that? That's why a smile's in every language and why. But think about that person around um, holiday time that's trying to sell you something, that fake smile. Try a fake smile right now. Try a fake smile. It's just like clenching your jaw. <laughs> that's why you don't trust that person. You're like, whoa, they want something. Right? It's amazing how much changes. It's not just eye contact. It's being open to the space around you and the people around you. That's part I, of what
1: comes. That's right. And, and that openness... There's another word for that openness. We don't like that word. It's vulnerable. You're vulnerable. When you open like that, it means that you are showing something of yourself and you are opening yourself up to the experience of another person. And that experience has every bit as much um, integrity as your experience. That's very hard stuff. And yet... That is what this type of film, this type of thing is. It's probably been the major learning for me.
0: That's Bruce Kramer and Matthew Sanford at a public lecture called Mind Body Dialogues, sponsored by the University of St. Thomas and St. Catherine University in St. Paul, Minnesota, in December of 2013. On the next installment of Living While Dying, an ALS story, Turning Inward.